young boys, one said to the other, hey, happy Father's Day. Did you do something special for your dad? And the other one looked kind of wide-eyed, and he said, honestly, I didn't even know it was Father's Day until my mom told me. So, happy Father's Day, and thanks, Mom, for making it move along and <laughs> helping, us, helping us honor our fathers. Um, it is a, a special day, but any time we have a special day, you know, it's always a challenge. There's, you know, a pre- preaching to an audience where you're acknowledging fathers. Of course, you're automatically eliminating half the audience who is, you know, cannot be a father. And then you've got all sorts of complicated issues in between. I want you to understand that, that a preacher has to preach and work his best to think about what we're thinking about in the world and in, in our daily lives and focus us back to the Word. And that's what we're going to try to do this morning. John Roseman tells the story when his son was very young. He said, I came home from work one day, and uh, as I was getting rid of my things and taking off my coat, my five-year-old son ran up to me with a flurry of excitement. I could tell something was on his mind. He asked me, Dad, Dad, I I have a question for you. I said, well, sure, son, what is it? He said, will you teach me how to be a dad? And it took the moment, I sort of thought about it, and I said, well, sure, son, I'm, you know, obviously you're not there yet, but but I'm so excited for the man that you're going to become, and I'd be glad to teach you how to be a father one day. This didn't seem to faze his son, who said, in all earnestness, but will you teach me to be a dad? He could tell this was serious. And so he took him over to the couch. He pulled him right to his side. He looked him straight in the eye. And he said, I will teach you to be a good dad. This satisfied the five-year-old who ran off to play with the puzzle he had been working on. But John's wife was standing across the room and remarked, she was just beaming because she said her son, their son had been waiting all day to ask his dad, That one question. John and his wife laughed at the the simplicity and the earnestness of their five-year-old son's question. But they were struck by the depth of the moment. You see, the truth is, when it comes to parenting, parents are very intentional about teaching their kids to read. About... uh, Helping them to solve math problems. Helping them to excel in sports or perhaps how to fix a car engine or to ace a college entrance exam. But when it comes down to the most important roles of life, John asked the question, where do our children learn these lessons? The reality is they learn them by default. They learn them from the people that are present in their lives. For good or for ill, for better or worse, they learn how to be a husband, how to be a wife, how to be a dad, how to be a mom, from the people in their lives. It's important that we not let the profundity of the child's question pass from us as dads. John took it very seriously. 
He understood that every child has both good and bad examples and that no child has a perfect example. Challenge of Father's Day sermon is preaching to dads who, who realize their own shortcomings. And we all have them. And same with Mother's Day. But John took the moment and he said, I'm going to use this as an opportunity with my son. Now, his son, ever the serious five-year-old, continued to ask him the question. In the weeks and the days to come, he said, will you teach me to be a dad? And so he shifted his language with his son. And he began to have what he called dad lessons. Lessons that were not something special, but just a normal part of the family rhythm in which John would teach his five-year-old son what it meant to be a good dad. So after dinner, they would get up from uh, the dinner table and they would take the dishes to the sink and he would call his son over and they would wash the dishes together, not because they enjoyed washing plates, but to show love and appreciation toward his mother, toward John's wife, the cook. And as they were washing plates and scrubbing pans, he would lean over to his son and say, this is what dads do. He would take his, uh, as he and his son were playing a game, and a little sister came up and interrupted and, and had a huge story that she had to tell with lots of details and, and, and lots of words. Uh, he stopped the game, and he turned his attention to focus on his daughter, his, the, the, the son's sister. And they listened attentively to sister's story. And when she had told the whole thing in all of its regaling detail, and she went off to her room, satisfied that she had been heard, he turned back to the game board with his son, and as he went to move a piece, he looked up into his son's eyes, and he said, that's what dads do. One Saturday morning, very early before anyone was up, he got his son, and he woke him and had him get dressed, and they, they got in the car, and they went to the donut shop, and they picked out a dozen donuts, put them in the box, as they went back in the car, the son got in his little booster seat and he put the donuts squarely in his lap. And his dad got in the car and fastened his seatbelt. He looked in the rearview mirror and he looked right squarely in his son's eyes and he said, Son, this is what dads do. Not because of getting a treat for themselves, but to surprise and to delight the whole family. There came times of conflict, sometimes between the little boy and his sister, sometimes in other ways. But as he was dealing with the conflict, after he had dealt with it, he would sit his son down and say, that is what dads do. He, he changed the language, you see. He didn't take this, make this big dad course. He didn't wait for the, the, the church to come up with some sort of family you know, teaching moment. He just took the opportunities that were natural, and he said, this is what dads do. John said, I even use my own imperfections to illustrate what dads shouldn't do. One time I was a little more harsh than I should have been with my five-year-old. I could tell I had bruised him just a little bit, not physically, but, but inside. And he thought about it, and he went back downstairs, and he sat on the edge of his bed as his son was sort of crying and had soft tears coming down his cheeks. And he said, son, I was a little harsh there. Dad shouldn't do that. I hope you can forgive me. 
And his son looked up and said, it's okay, dad. You're still a good dad. He was using the moments to shift the conversation to help his son see within himself and to see it modeled within John what good dads do. I hasten to say, and John would too, there's no such thing as a perfect dad. But if we can acknowledge what God has called us to do and live an example for others, we can maybe change a generation. A lot of what we're seeing going on in our world right now can be rooted in a lack of intentional fathering. And so I want to ask you this morning, especially for those of you who are dads, would you, would you be committed to doing what it takes to be a good dad? You see, I, didn't, I, I phrased that question very carefully. I didn't ask if you were interested, because some of you are already showing right now that you're, you're interested or not. The question I asked you was, are you committed? There's a difference. If you are committed to being a good dad, then I have four questions or four things that I think will help you as you journey to help not only be a good dad yourself, but to point to our eternal perfect father in heaven. If you would wish to be a good dad, you know, first of all, being a good dad is something that's modeled. You might say, we know it when we see it, right? So I I want to say at the outset, I'm not going to give you a perfect, exhaustive definition of what it means to be a good dad, but you know it when you see it, whether it's praying with your children or or playing dress up or or holding your child or pretending to be superheroes together. Those are all elements of men who have made an intentional decision to be a present, potent, powerful force in the life of their children. Starts with that decision. Here's four other ways, more specifically, that you can be a good dad. Number one, if you want to be a good dad, you have to grow up. I remember before my grandpa passed away, one of my cousins was getting married. And some of the family members had some concerns about whether... This was the right decision. I still remember Grandpa saying, I think he'll rise to the occasion. I thought that was an interesting phrase, but I think it's a a biblical idea, not necessarily a biblical phrase. When the Apostle Paul talked about love, I want you to focus on on one verse of 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. If you're following along, I hope you'll scroll there or turn there, however you get there. Turn to 1 Corinthians 13, 11, because there's, there's a part of love that's important, and it's this idea of maturity. It takes a man to be a father. It takes a man to, be, to step up and to take his role seriously. Something that I see a lot today, and, and I, maybe it's not intentional, maybe you've done it without really thinking about it, but it's the hey buddy syndrome. It's the asking permission to be a dad, you know, to, to be present. You know, you'll, I, I've heard this, parents do this in a restaurant. Child's acting up. And a father will say, hey, buddy, how about we just not do that? You see what happened there? First of all, he said, I'm your buddy. Second of all, he asked. 
He didn't assert authority. See, good dads have to understand that they're in charge. And, and a child may have few or many or thousands or millions of buddies in his or her lifetime, but he or she will only have one father. If you abdicate that role, no one else can fill that. No other buddy can be a father to your child. Only you can be a father to your child. And to do that requires a mental decision to grow up. A mental decision to be more than a buddy and more than a friend. Now, I'm not saying don't have a relationship with your child. I hope at some point as you father your child, eventually you grow into a relationship. But your first place, the place where you start from is is as a dad, not as a buddy. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. If you want to be a good dad, it starts with the decision that you're going to act like a dad. That you're going to be an authority in your child's life, not to domineer them, not to control them, but to be the authority that God has called you to be. Some people, some people use authority for, for bad purposes, right? We all know dads who have abused children, which is tragic. It's one of the worst things you can do. It breaks my heart for those to whom it has happened. If it's happened to you, I want you to know my heart breaks with you. For you had a dad who didn't take seriously his role that God called him to be. And I pray that you have people in your life or in the life of your children who will step in where your dad stepped out. But if you're a dad and you're involved, I pray that you will take seriously that role and no longer begin to act like a child, but to become a man and put away childish things. That's probably one of the more important parts of being a dad. It's just that decision, I'm going to be a dad. Just like John's son, that question poised to him, posed to him, made him position himself in a way that said, yes, I'm going to teach you what it means to be a dad. Once you decide to grow up, then, then the next decision is a lot easier. You have to show up. Psalm 127 says this, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. Some translations say a reward from the Lord. Are you a good steward of the reward you've been given? Now, I realize the world does not consider children a reward. The world actually does, kind of despises children. The world tries to kill children abuses children, wants to uh, twist their innocence as early as possible. But not so with God and God's people. God's people love life. and God's people see that children are a blessing. When you hear the news that someone is expecting, you say, congratulations. Why? Because children are a blessing. They're a reward from the Lord. But if you think about all rewards that we receive, we don't necessarily steward them well all the time. If you think of your children as a reward, then the natural, the next thinking should be, I want to steward well what God has given me. Are you a good steward of what God has given you? 
Do you invest well into their lives? Do you love your children? Of course, the famous saying about how children spell love is T-I-M-E. Children don't care how much money you make. They really don't care about the size of the house. Really often care that much about how much stuff they have. What they want is a dad. And they want a mom too. They want two adults who love them enough to like them. Who love them enough to want to be with them. So things like building forts and playing Barbies, going hunting or fishing, working under the car hood, reading together, going on date nights, those are more important than you realize. Because what you're telling your children is that you love them. You're telling them by showing them. You're telling them by investing in one of your greatest commodities, which is your time. You don't get that time back. Now, when I bring this point up, I've got many parents who are sitting in the pews who think, oh, they're just filled with regret for all the time they let slip by, for all the opportunities wasted, for all the time when they worked late when they should have come home, when they they were on the road and they should have been more present at their home. And you can't do anything about that. You can't change the past as much as we might like to. But you can show up today. At whatever point you're in, you can, you can use today to say, you know what, today I'm, a, I'm going to make up as best as I can. I can do today what I didn't do yesterday. Choosing to be a dad is something you have to do every day. One quote I found said, being a, a great dad is like shaving. No matter how good a job you did at shaving today, you will probably have to do it again tomorrow. Being a good dad is like that. It's something you have to do again and again. It's not one and done, which is why the scriptures point us in this direction. To the Israelites, Moses gave these words from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And if you care to follow along, I hope that you will. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words that I command you today shall be upon your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. I do not believe that list was meant to be legalistic. That, that list was just simply meant to say, bring me into the conversation. At, at every point, just like John did with his son, this is what good dads do. The reality is, if you wait upon the church to do all the teaching, they'll never get enough. And your kids won't take it seriously. I'm not saying don't bring your kids to church. I'm not saying I'm I'm not glad that they're here and all of that. I'm not not saying I'm not grateful for great youth ministry programs and kids programs and loft and the whole bit. We provide those things. But but that's just one part of a very, very much larger picture. The time that we invest with them isn't just about doing things that are fun and silly. Those those things are, are fine, but... We also need to use the time to point them to their Heavenly Father. There there will come a day 
there will come a day if the natural course of life goes its way, there will come a day when your children will say goodbye to you. And in that day, what legacy will you have left them? And how will that legacy pointed them back to God? May we prepare wisely for that day by by doing these things today. Third, be a good dad, you must bring them up. A good dad always wants his children to be better than he is, right? That's true in probably every area. Dads think about the kind of friends they had when they were younger. Oh, I hope I hope my children choose more wisely than I did. Dads think about uh, their the things that they did when they were younger. Or maybe they want them to be more successful in their career. I hope you go farther than I did. I hope you learn lessons in your 20s that I didn't learn until my 40s. We think about that in all areas of life. I hope that you think the same way spiritually. In the letter to the church at Thessalonica, the Apostle Paul wrote these words, and I thought it was interesting the phraseology he used, speaking of his role as an apostle. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. He says, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. How do you exhort and encourage your children? I was driving down Ridge Road, saw all the the kids playing baseball and lots of parents there, right? Lots of parents encouraging their kids to do well, to, to swing it just right, to run the bases correctly, to, you know, to, to do all of those things in the game that they need to do. May we encourage and exhort our children in a similar way toward God, to walk in a manner worthy of God. Dads, as you see your children, do you call them out? Do you encourage, do you exhort them to walk in such a way? Do you love them enough to discipline them? Discipline, I, what I mean by that is the intentional decision over their lives to correct course is necessary. The intentional decision over the course of their lives to correct course as necessary. Now, sometimes that involves spanking. Sometimes that involves a conversation. But good dads are intentional about their discipline. Proverbs 13, verse 24 and following. I'm sorry. Uh, That's not verse 24. Oh, yes it is. I just was in the wrong chapter. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. I hope dads are diligent to discipline them. Watching the dad... Take a little one out right now, okay? And, and that may, may or may not be a discipline moment, but that's a, that's a good dad right there, right? He's being diligent to do that. That's what good dads do. Conversations, and back in, back in the old school way of thinking, they had the, uh, the, you had to go get your own switch. And I know some parents have used that method here. 
they were careful to, and diligent to discipline their children because they knew that eventually that discipline led to a reward. Now, I want to be careful here and say that discipline is not just spanking. It's training. It's guiding. It's correcting. It's rebuking when necessary. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 calls out fathers specifically. He says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. May good dads be diligent and intentional in their discipline. If you think about it, your job as a parent, you, I mean, your number one job as a parent is to bring your children, bring your children back to the Lord, okay? to make a disciple of them. It's hard to be a disciple. It's hard to raise a disciple without discipline. That's why the two words are so closely connected. You have to be intentional and careful and diligent about that, dads. And finally, the last and, and probably the, the biggest point is that to be a good dad, you can't give up. No dad is perfect. Many dads sit here in a sermon like this and they, they, they wish that they had done things differently. They wish they had, had done things in a better way. The story of the prodigal son, I think, is mislabeled. As I read the story, it's, it's really, it, it's some about the son, but, but what's consistent throughout is the overwhelming, consistent love of the father. We start in the middle of the story. This is the son who's come to his senses He's starving, and he wants to go back home. And he comes up with a plan. He says, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I sinned against heaven before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He's got the speech all prepared. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and is found. They began to celebrate. It's the father's love that never gives up on his son. It's a father's love that never gives up on his children. And even if you're a dad today, it's a father's love that never gives up your role, your responsibility as a dad to lead them to God. The father of of that story was the hero because he never gave up on his son. In the same sort of way, God's, Jesus is telling us a story of God's relentless love for us. You know, he never gives up on us. And the beautiful part about that is that God gives us the same grace. He, he hasn't given up on you, and he hasn't given up on me. He shows us grace and mercy each and every day. And he killed his only son. He allowed him to be hung on a Roman cross 
and to be completely separated from His eternal Father for you and I. Because God would not give up. And this morning, if you've been this close to giving up, I want you to encourage you to hang in there. And I want you to encourage you to do what the Son did and and to return to the Father. If you do not know Christ, if you've, you've come to your senses and you're spiritually starving, know that your Father awaits you. And that the moment you take step forward, He runs to you to embrace you, to accept you, to make every preparation to bring you back into His home where there will be much celebration. This morning, if you need Christ, uh, I hope that you will come, or or maybe you're a dad and you'd like the prayers of our shepherds. Whatever your need might be, just a moment, we're going to sing a song. We're going to stand, and and as we stand, you make your way to the back. There will be some shepherds right here in the middle, and and you can make your way toward them, and they they can handle the need that you have in exactly the right way. If you do have a need this morning, remember, your Father has never given up on you. And may we, may we not give up either in the pursuit of His love and His mercy and His grace. May we run to Him. May we seek Him above all because He is a good dad. If you have any need this morning, please come as we stand and sing.